You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. Welcome to a very special episode of History Uncovered. Back in February 2020, just weeks before the world started talking about flattening the curve and social distancing, we here at All This Interesting launched something new, our podcast, History Uncovered. Now, just about four years later, we're thrilled to mark our show's 100th episode. Over the past 99 episodes, we've covered all sorts of stories from the realms of history and true crime. Our very first episode took a look at the eerie unsolved disappearance of Vatican teenager Emanuela Orlandi, whose strange case has been linked to the Pope, Turkish insurrectionists, Italian mobsters, and even satanic orgy rings. Since then, we've covered a vast array of subjects, from the lingering questions surrounding Marilyn Monroe's death, to the creepy truth behind the hotel from The Shining, to the most interesting, little-known facts about George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. Elsewhere, we discussed the doomed saga of cave explorer Floyd Collins, as well as the disappearances of people like Amy Lynn Bradley, who mysteriously vanished from a cruise ship, which continue to confound authorities to this day. Now, on our 100th episode, we're taking a look back at a couple of the stories we covered, ones where groundbreaking new information has come to light. We're going to cover recent theories about the baffling deaths of Soviet hikers in the 1959 Dyatlov Pass incident, shocking developments in the Delphi murder case of Abby Williams and Libby German in 2017, and new revelations concerning the Summerton man who washed up dead on an Australian beach in 1948 and whose identity long left the authorities mystified. We'll also talk about some of our favorite episodes, your favorite episodes, as well as what's next for the History Uncovered podcast. As loyal listeners may know, this has to do with Jack the Ripper, though we have some other exciting news to share as well. Stick with us now for the special 100th episode of History Uncovered, and thanks for listening. I'm all that's interesting staff writer, Kalina Fraga. I'm all that's interesting staff writer, Austin Harvey. And I'm all that's interesting editor, Kara Johnson. <laughs> All right, well, let's start with looking back at some old episodes that have had some new developments in the last couple of years. And that first one we're going to touch on is the Dyatlov Pass incident. Yeah, the Dyatlov Pass incident. Uh, I think most people will be somewhat familiar with this if they're into history, true crime, unsolved mysteries style things. But um, to quickly recap, uh, this took place on June 23rd, 1959, when nine capable skiers from the Soviet Union's Ural Polytechnical Institute, went on a hiking trip in the northern Ural Mountains. They were led by a fifth-year student named Igor Dyatlov, uh, and then they were never seen alive again. Mm. Their bodies were found about a month later on February 26th at a particularly grisly scene with the group's tent sliced open. The naked bodies of two hikers, Yori Doroshenko and Yori Krivonyshenko, found nearly a mile away. 
Uh, a few days later, three other hikers, including Dyatlov, were found, and it wouldn't be for another two months before the remaining four hikers' bodies were found. Search team also recovered the hikers' cameras, which showed a series of photographs of their final days, but offered no answer as to what could have happened to the ill-fated group. A criminal case was opened, but it was ultimately decided that a, quote, spontaneous power of nature had been the cause of death. And, of course, many people were not satisfied with that explanation, um, especially considering how weird the circumstances around the death were. And in the years since, countless theories have been put forth, ranging from violent crime to alien abduction to government experiments. And so, like, their injuries are weird. It's like missing eyes and tongues, I think, and their tents were... Yeah, and, like, crushed limbs and, yeah, like, very, like, intense signs of trauma, but not... Yeah. But, like, no evidence of... It was, like, a lot of trauma, but not a lot of evidence of violence. Right. And there was stuff, like, they were wearing each other's clothing, or, like you said, there was... A couple of them were naked. naked bodies, and it's very odd. Very yeah. strange. Yeah, you can see why people would speculate about it because it's just very strange. And like the fact that they found photographs of them mm-hmm. throughout, it, it all it just adds like a weird, like eerie, it's eerie, like I literally found footage element to it. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, yeah, yeah. this kind of feels like a horror movie. I think they did make a horror movie called Dyatlov Pass, which dealt with. Yes. Um, it didn't that wasn't that like they found like a secret underground bunker, and then there was like some weird time travel stuff in it. Yeah, it was a little sci-fi yeah but yeah i think everything about that story is very nightmarish from the how did it happen and what even happened to the bodies they found after with you know the missing tongues and the just gruesome the fact that it was in russia yeah (laughs) right well there's like this thing like are the soviets like hiding something and was it like some sort of nuclear thing possibly or what happened or what are they covering up right well Apparently, they weren't covering up much, at least according to this very prominent, very plausible theory um, that happened after the investigation was reopened in February of 2019. According to what I found, more than 75 different theories were put forth, but the reopened investigation only focused on three and ones that were exclusively limited to uh, weather-related occurrences. And then two years later, just about in January 2021, they published a study in the journal Communications, Earth, and Environment, which basically posited the theory that they had been killed or at least um, the initial trauma and the reason they were naked and all this stuff was the result of a very weird, unusual avalanche, uh, which they attributed to a combination of, quote, irregular topography, a cut made in the slope to install the tent, and the subsequent deposition of snow induced by strong catabotic winds, uh, or catabatic, depending on how you enunciate your A's. Um, basically just wind caused by a local downward motion of cool air. Um, so basically, like, they would have hmm. cut something in the slope above them, a bunch of snow blew down, piled up on it, so rather than an avalanche of, like, rolling snow coming down the mountain, it kind of built and then just all collapsed on them at once. They think this caused hmm. severe but not fatal injuries to the hikers, which kind of aligns with the autopsy results, which basically showed that they had injuries similar to those of car crash victims. So they think that this massive amount of snow and ice fell on them while they were sleeping in their tent, waking them up in a lot of pain, kind of alarming them. Some of them might have not been sleeping fully clothed, so they just grabbed whatever they could, put each other's clothes on, or just ran out naked, and then basically just died Hmm. in the cold after fleeing their tent in the middle of the night. They even and they demonstrated that with a uh, digital 
simulation that showed how it could have happened. So it's very plausible. It's not 100% confirmed. Um, but since we did that episode forever ago, that uh, that has come mm-hmm. out about it, um, which it just adds a little bit of extra credence to the theory that it might have been a weather-related event and not time-dimensional Soviet experiments. I don't know. It's weird. It's still weird to me. But I feel like at the time when it happened, I know this is a sort of avalanche, like a rare kind of avalanche, and it's not a normal one. But I know at the time, they were like, avalanches don't usually happen here, and it's probably not yeah, that. Yeah, they originally that. quickly like got rid of the avalanche theory, and then someone was like, well, maybe, actually. <laughs> well, maybe. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like out of all the all the theories and all the things that could have happened, that's the least yeah it's the most it's easily the most (laughs) unfortunately answer to what might have happened there what's it called but it's like the like the most obvious answer is yeah occam's razor that's what it is um yes the simplest is the correct answer i think it came up like several times during our that first ufo case we talked about kelly hopkinsville where we just we thought what it might have been like owls or something like that yeah i'm still behind the owl theory for that one but that's a different uh (laughs) discussion although in this case it's not really a simple explanation it's like maybe they put their tent in it this way that would have caused this rare avalanche there were a lot of factors that went into it it'd be crazy if the soviets came out and they're like actually it was aliens (laughs) we did some testing and it turns out there were aliens there that's crazy right The next story is a bit more, I mean, it's the same sort of a gruesome story that has had some very strange developments in the last couple yeah. of years. A little bit more recent. A little bit more. Um, yeah, so this these are the Delphi murders. They happened in February 2017. A 13-year-old girl named Abby Williams and her 14-year-old friend Libby German went for a walk on the Delphi Historic Trails in Indiana. They vanished. Libby's dad was going to pick them up about 3.15. They never showed up, and the their parents reported them missing a couple hours later. Their bodies were found the next day. No one knew what had happened. And then the police later found some terrifying uh, footage, I guess, on their smartphones. Libby had a video of a man approaching them on these trails and the footage picked up him saying something uh it was very grainy it was very you couldn't really hear him very well but he said guys down the hill yeah it was on her like snapchat story or something yeah yeah it was snapchat and there was another snapchat on her or there had been they'd been sending snapchats of the girls walking on this railroad bridge and then there was a video from that same bridge of this man approaching them and saying down the hill And so their bodies were found the next day. No one could ever really identify this man. No one knew what had happened to them, if he had anything to do with their murders or, you know, what was going on. So that case really just kind of hit a dead end for several years. We've discussed the Delphi murders on a previous podcast. And at that time, several theories had emerged, but there was no real evidence about what might have happened. So since our... Last podcast discussing the Delphi murders. In October 2022, a suspect named Richard Allen was arrested for the murders. In May 2023, it came out that the girls had lost a lot of blood, their bodies had been staged, and that the killer had taken a souvenir from the scene. 
And in June 2023, the following month, it came out that Allen had confessed to the murders multiple times while he was in jail since he'd been arrested that previous October. And then in September, Allen's attorneys, of course, said he's innocent. But weirdly enough, the attorneys claimed that the girls were killed in a ritual sacrifice at the hands of a white nationalist cult called the Odinists which is kind of out of left field. How would they even know that? Yeah. If their client were innocent. Right. It was <laughs> this big mystery for all this time. And yeah. then suddenly, oh, the Odinists did it. I think they were saying that there were like certain things left at the scene that suggest like this cult involvement. But it's like, it's weird because when this happened, the police were very, very like tight-lipped about how the girls had died and what the scene was like. And they didn't want to like reveal anything. And now we're getting these like little... Like very yeah. disturbing details. Although obviously nothing's been definitively yeah. proven one way or the other. One of the prosecutors on the case called the Odinist theory a fanciful defense for social media to devour. Which to be that fair. Is pretty accurate. Yeah. Great talking point for. <laughs> um, but yeah, Alan hasn't been officially convicted of anything yet. It's still very much developing and obviously new information is still dropping constantly. It's this is much more than yeah. police have let out in the years yeah. since the murders happened. It's such a weird one. I mean, it was weird from the beginning, just from like the Snapchat angle. And then the police released that guy's voice down the hill. I think there was a whole podcast, not another yeah, podcast yeah. called Down the Hill, which is investigating the, the murders. Is, yeah. And now there's like this stuff. There have been a lot of suspects over the years, these different guys and these theories that like one of the girls was talking to a guy on social media, maybe on Snapchat. I don't remember. Yeah, and like, was, was he yeah. involved? Snapchat. And, I think there was a recent development also. I mean, it had nothing to do with this specific case, but there was a, another suspect who had been, like you said, talking to Libby German on Snapchat, who had actually messaged her, I think, the day they hmm. died, the day of the murders. And so he was a suspect for a while, and he was recently arrested for something else, but it wasn't interesting. these murders. So it was, it's, yeah, there's just a lot going on here. Yeah. Very weird. I mean, this is kind of like the opposite of Deal of Past, where it's like, that's the simplest explanation. And this one has so many weird, like, yeah. complicated things. And it just seems like it's complicated. And like, I don't know. I mean, we don't have the answers yet, but it just seems like something very strange happened. Right. That Odinist thing, yeah, it was very out of left field there. Also, taking <laughs> what they said, so yeah. they took a souvenir from the scene. Did they say what the souvenir is? Because that's such vague word. I don't word. believe that so. could mean any number of things. Yeah. Right. I haven't seen anything it was in one of the court documents it said they may have taken a souvenir from this staged scene interesting but again very little detail about what exactly happened or what the souvenir was or yeah hmm. anything well seems like an important detail but i guess we just have to wait to see <laughs> Yeah, I think the police, yeah, are just keeping everything close to their chest at the moment. Which, like, fair. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's a, yeah, again, weird, weird, but weird, very disturbing yeah. uh, story. Right. I think the trial is set for October. Wow. So it's going to be a while. So in 10 months or so, we may know more. Four hundred years ago, a trio of small kingdoms stood on a series of islands off the coast of mainland Europe. 
Within three short centuries, those kingdoms had grown into a sprawling, massive empire which ruled a quarter of the globe, and on which the sun never set. The British Empire. Now the history of how England evolved to a global superpower is at the center of a narrative history podcast known as Pax Britannica, hosted by historian Dr. Samuel Hume. Featuring interviews with leading historians, Pax Britannica starts at the beginning and chronicles the British Empire's rise and fall. Season 1 tells of England's first attempts at creating an empire in Ireland and North America and the Caribbean, as well as the first steps of the East India Company. Season 2 explores the chaos of civil war, revolution, and regicide, which took the three kingdoms and fledgling empire by storm. And the newly released Season 3 chronicles the rule of Lord Protector Oliver Cromwell and his battle for dominance against the Dutch and Spanish empires in the Atlantic world. Learn all about the history of the British Empire by listening to Pax Britannica, available everywhere you get your podcasts. Our final story that I guess we're moving right along is the story of the Summerton Man, another very odd story, which is basically this, that in 1948 in December, a body was found on a beach outside of Adelaide, Australia. This was weird, but it got weirder. He was a well-dressed guy. He showed no sign of injury or trauma. People had seen him the night before, kind of sitting on the beach as if he was drunk, trying to light a cigarette, but it wasn't clear how he died. And the more police looked into it, they found that he had no identification. The tags and labels on his clothing were all cut off. He had no wallet, no money. His pupils were unusually shaped. He would blood in his stomach, which could mean that he'd been poisoned. But um, police found his abandoned suitcase at a railway station. This also offered no information. Uh, and then in the final like weird twist of this story, they found um, a small pocket in the waistband of his pants. And within the pocket was a folded piece of paper that read Tamam Should, which is Persian for it's finished or ended. They were able to determine that it had come from a rare New Zealand copy of the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam, a 12th century work of poetry, but this they didn't know if that was like a secret message someone had left or a message he was carrying or just something random. And, you know, this is during the kind of the beginning of the Cold War. Like, was he a spy? Yeah. No one really knew. It's all very cryptic. All very cryptic. Yes. Last year in August, DNA finally potentially identified him as a man named Carl Charles Webb, who was an electrical engineer from Melbourne, who had vanished in April 1947. It's pretty likely it's him. Um, He kind of dropped off the face of the earth in April 1947. He left his wife and he had deserted her and she wanted to divorce him. And it's possible that he had gone to Adelaide to try to find her, but this is just a guess. At the end of the day, there's a lot of questions about what he was doing, how he died, what the poem meant. Why none of his clothes had any tags. Why he had nothing identifying on him. And it's very reminiscent. I I can't remember what the name of this what this woman was called, Austin. We did a podcast on her who was found dead. Oh, the, uh, the Easdall woman. Yeah. It's the same thing. She was found burnt in the mountains and her they found yeah. her luggage and all the tags were gone. All the all of her ID was gone. There were like wigs in her suitcases. Like say, around the same time. I think that might have been like the... F- it was like, yeah, 50s or 60s, but like not too much later. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. And they all they say is that he just dropped off the public record. They did some DNA match and they were like, yeah, it could be him. But like there's also weird details about like who the book of poetry had originally belonged to and how he would have come into Mm -hmm. possession of a piece of paper from that book, why it was on him. Right. In this pocket. And yeah. Very, very odd. And I mean, it could all just be a weird random coincidence, but it's strange. Imagine if this case had come out 
like in the modern day with social media. Oh, yeah. It would be insane. All the little tiny, because I think the most fascinating thing about this case is kind of the progression of the evidence and the clues. You know, they found the piece of paper and then they found the book that it belonged in. And then just people would be, there's just all these little tidbits that so much good social media fodder there. Well, there's so many ways to keep track of people now. Like now, if this guy happened, if he died like this year, it'd be like, did he have a smartphone, his credit cards, you know, like there are all these ways to track people down that didn't exist back then. Was he in the background of someone else's like TikTok dance video? That's how the body would have been found. It would have been a TikTok of someone being like, hey, yo, this guy dead? I'm like slapping him. <laughs> be like, I think he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, the one other story that we didn't include at the time that we put this together because there were no updates, but there are now, is about Natalia Grace, who was this girl, this Ukrainian orphan uh, with a, a rare form of dwarfism who was adopted by an American couple. And things took a very <laughs> yeah. strange twist after they adopted her. They they claimed that she was not only an adult and not a child, but that she was a sociopath who was intent on harming them. So they did the normal thing and put her in an apartment and moved away and yeah. left her by herself. And since then, there's been like, was she an adult? And like, is she a sociopath? And you'd think it would have been that hard to figure out, <laughs> but apparently it was. Right. Yeah. You know, because she was an orphan, it's like medical records were not readily available. Yeah. And and people aren't trees, so you can't just cut them in half and count the number of rings to figure out how old they are. <laughs> so that's complicated. <laughs> right. Yes. And her adoptive parents are kind of characters themselves. Yeah. So well, they even had her like age legally changed. Yeah. To be 22 years old. That seems like you shouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, right? I feel like you'd yeah. have to be able to kind of prove beyond a reasonable doubt in order to right. do that. But how, how do you do? You can't do that. Yeah, can I we? Don't... Can I just change my age like whenever I want? <laughs> like that, I don't know if I'm that, how that works. Can I retire now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it turns out, yeah, she's like 22 now. There's a docu series going on right now, and they're they did a DNA test as part of the docu series, and yeah, yeah, they're yeah. like she's a yeah, she wasn't. Lying. She is now the age they claimed she was over a decade ago. Uh huh. So she was just a child. And they just threw her in an apartment and said, Good luck. See ya. Wow. I can barely take care of myself at this point. I can't imagine being, you know, eight years old or whatever and having to make my own food. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of a developing story as well. But yeah, very, very odd. Yeah. Poor girl. Yeah, I mean, she does seem like someone with a lot of trauma and... I'd imagine. ...issues, but... It'd be kind of hard not to. Right. Yes. Being an orphan, coming from a whole different country, and then yeah, having the medical disorder that she has. I mean, that's just a whole bunch of trauma right there on top of... Being accused of being a murderous sociopath when you're eight years old. Yeah. Right. And I, th- I think the, the couple who had originally adopted her divorced now, and the ex-husband is now blaming his ex-wife for most of it. Yeah. I read a kind of a brief like slate article about the latest developments. And I guess he's in the docuseries, the, the husband and yeah. the wife is not, but in, but he seems like an unreliable narrator. <laughs> yeah. <put it> <laughs>
we did some other exciting things in 2023 we wanted to touch on and in, in celebration of ourselves i guess we launched tiktok <laughs> to toot our own horn <laughs> to toot our own horn it is our birthday today we we started doing podcast series instead of standalone episodes and we started doing history happy hour which we do once a month yeah. and they've been fun and it's been really great because it seems like people have been liking these new things when we look back at some of our most listened to episodes of last year our titanic series was top of the list which was neat as was history yeah. history happy hour some of those episodes well and not to mention we totally just changed up the format of how we do yeah it. we did yeah it was it was always a scripted show and then we started doing more of a discussion type thing which has been fun it yeah. has I've been. enjoyed it it's fun to throw ideas back and forth and get different perspectives on them rather than just you know the typical scripted as remote workers in three different states it's like one of the few times we actually get to like <laughs> chat for a long period of yeah time. that's true here's the loneliness <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite gags in any movie tv show form media that will always get me is someone laughing and it turns to sobbing <laughs> Like, I just think it's so yes. funny every time. Just that, like, laugh through the pain, but then it just becomes pain. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I feel like that's the story of my life. Just <laughs> laugh through the pain. I cry. Yeah. <laughs> cry until I laugh, you know. Vice laugh versa, until you either cry, one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been, like you said, it's been nice seeing, um, seeing some of the effort pay off in a lot of different ways, both yeah. from a like, personal standpoint of, like, a validation or, like, a... Um, being able to like, hey, we actually get to sit down and like talk to each other for an hour now, which is very nice yeah. from a personal standpoint. But also like, you know, analytically, you can look at numbers of things and break it down like a business would and be like, yeah, people are clearly like engaging with this and enjoying it. And the, num the numbers show that our TikToks, not all of them perform amazingly, but some of them do. Yeah. We had the Genie Wiley one by far the most popular with like 141,000 people looking at it. Uh, mm -hmm. Michael Rockefeller's up there with like 131,000 unit 71. These are all numbers. They don't, you know, what like they're <laughs> a metric by which to judge things, but it, it shows that people are enjoying the stuff. I don't know the rate of people who see the TikToks and then go, oh, I'm going to go listen to that podcast. But it's always fun because I have the TikTok app signed in to our account on my phone and I'm constantly getting notifications of people liking and commenting. And that fills a void somewhere in my stomach. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, the TikTok's been fun as a way of like just engaging in a different way and sort of distilling the shows down. And you do a great job making the TikToks. They're Thanks. really fun. Yeah, I, I've liked that. I've liked watching them. And yeah, no, it is a nice little like way to switch up my uh, workflow too. It's less, it's less thinky, you know, it's just like putting pictures together. Yeah, but you're under 30, so you're uniquely suited for that, <laughs> yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, my, oh my God, am I our only under 30 person now? Now that you Kara's are now, turned, 30. turned 30. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oof. Yes. Uh, RIP. I'm me. still a millennial. I'm still a, I'm still a millennial. We don't have any Gen Z. Mm -hmm. uh, I still don't I know, know what a skibbity is or a, or a gyat. I don't I don't get the skibbity either. I don't know what that. I've never even heard that term. I saw it on TikTok once and I don't get it. I know there's that like skibbity. We're, we're going to we're like, aging ourselves so much here. It's the but there's skibbity that, like, toilet, isn't it? Skibbity toilet. I watched some of them and I was like, I don't understand what this is. It's like a foreign language to me. <laughs> One of my my one friend's like really well versed in Gen Z language. He said something, something about skibbity gyat. Um, what was the uh, Fernum tax or whatever? What I don't. I, I'm right? gonna tell you. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I don't know. What it's mean. Austin was one single friend, and he can't even communicate with her. <laughs> 
I'm like, what are you saying? <laughs> Get that skibbity fernum tax. <laughs> there's some. There's like one other really common saying that I'm like totally. Bl- oh, Riz. I know what Riz oh, is. Oh, I least. I saw that in the New York Times. Yeah, it's the wow. word of the year. I'm like an ancient so. person. Yes, that's where I, I learned saw about that it. In the New York <laughs> Times. I saw that in the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Oh my god. It was one of the crosswords. Oh my gosh. It is a good crossword. They like young words in the crosswords. Oh my gosh. Yeah, let's talk about some of our favorite episodes the last... uh, 100 or 99 i suppose that we have to choose from yes so sleepy hollow is one of my favorite not only because it was the first one i was ever actually a part of but because it kind of combines some of my favorite things literature history you know i was an english major i got my master's degree in english literature love my books love my literature so it's got the mystery elements to it it's got the historical elements to it was ichabod crane part of this elaborate prank was he part of this paranormal village who knows so that one was fun to throw around discussions back and forth debating you know which was it or either or neither or both who knows exploding whale that was an older one but how can you not enjoy a story about a whale that people exploded with dynamite on a beach it's classic (laughs) that happened in was it was it in Oregon or Washington? It was in it was Oregon. Oregon in, in 1970. Oregon, yes. An Oregon beach in 1970. A whale washed up. No one knew what to do with it. So they just exploded it. <laughs> and blood and guts went everywhere. And people were somehow surprised by that. With the best off the cuff <laughs> news quote of all time, which was like what? It blasted blubber beyond all <laughs> believable bounds or something like yeah, that. Something I wish like I that. could alliterate like that off the top of my head. That's amazing. It's beautiful, beautiful piece of broadcasting. Mm, look at me go. Right hey, there. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, that one just cracks me up because people were so surprised by how much damage putting, you know, TNT in a whale and blasting it off yeah. caused. And I feel mm, like that's yeah. kind of common sense. But, you know, maybe it wasn't in Oregon in 1970. Now we know. Who knows? Now we know. And then I also love for different reasons, obviously, this one isn't quite as humorous, but the Nutty Putty Mm -hmm. Cave. Very sad story about the spelunker who was trying to traverse this super narrow passageway in this cave in Utah, got stuck, and he he died. They couldn't get him out, and so they just closed off the cave with his body inside. Um, So that's very eerie, very sad, very just kind of everyone's worst nightmare and if it wasn't before now it is once you've heard that story because yeah yeah. can you imagine a worse way to go nope well yes but that's up there (laughs) 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 but no that just had to be terrifying kind of knowing that you're going to die in that circumstance and then yeah it's um, yeah it's pretty rough also it's fascinating to me how not necessarily similar but kind of similar it is to the aaron ralston um what was the 127 hour story with his arm Mm, stuck in the boulder and he was like oh i'm gonna die and he just chopped his arm off but obviously this spunker couldn't do that because it was kind of his head that was stuck well it's like his whole upper torso right yeah yeah so you can't just really kind of need that that off and yeah yes but yeah, similar terrifying splunking story. I guess Aaron Austin mm. wasn't really splunking. He was what? What do you call 
rock bouldering or jumping rock bouldering yeah bouldering rock jumping yeah. bouldering you know <laughs> it was like a narrow canyon that he was kind of climbing through and the boulder fell and trapped his arm and had him stuck there but he was alone i don't think this um i think his name was john edward jones yes yeah. john jones he's like with his family cave a fun thanksgiving outing turned right tragic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. i know that's just so sad and such a nightmare but that is always a uh what, probably one of my I guess I don't know how to I don't know say it's, oh, it's my favorite because it's well no I mean it's an interesting topic and it's it is yeah it's like an eerie I think the fact that his body was buried in this cave because they just even after he died they just couldn't get it out yeah that's just a fascinating little piece of Utah history right there yeah what are y'all's favorites my favorites I of course liked the La Lechusa episode mm. I always am really really interested in folklore and so when we get to talk about folklore, uh, that always really excites me. And La Lechusa was something I was not super familiar with before we did the episode. But the story of it's really, really cool. I've learned a lot of like, since taking this job, learned a lot of really interesting, obscure folklore stuff, which can be equal parts frustrating to research and interesting. Because mm, yeah. so much of it's like word of mouth and very different than when you're trying to do like a concise write up of it. You're like, some people say this. But other people say this. And do I have a definitive definitive. source for that? No, I don't. Right. But that said, it's still really interesting to talk about. And like I that was one of those like early kind of half scripted, half discussion episodes we were doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really liked the discussion about that and talking about all the different symbolism of birds throughout folklore and how these things differ from culture to culture, but how some of those motifs are very similar. And I thought that was a really interesting episode. And along the same lines and we re- very recently did another one talking about Christmas legends, but the original Christmas legend that you recorded forever ago, Kleena, on mm-hmm. the Krampus, which was also Krampus. the first uh, TikTok that I made was for Krampus. Oh, fun. Yeah. But uh, what a great story. Every, yeah. I feel like everyone knows Krampus <laughs> at this point, but like it had like, you know, like 10 years ago, no one did. Mm-hmm. He's great. He's what a goofy guy. The illustrations Krampus. are so fantastic. The illust- Krampus the illust- so the, good. Like German His Christmas cards are so good. Yeah. All of those vintage Krampus Christmas cards are just like chef's kiss. They're so good. Mm-hmm. Okay, my hillbilly ass has been calling him Krampus this whole time. Yeah, Krampus. that sounds about right. <laughs> I told Kleena the other day I had written an article about Dion de Poitiers, and I was sitting here calling her Diane de Poiters. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, it's not Krampus, it's Krampus. 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 Excuse me. <laughs> La the Chusa, Krampus. Um the, I, and then, yeah, my third my third favorite episode, um, just because it's so funny, and I still want to write a movie adaptation of this one day, uh, the 1904 Olympic Marathon. That's a good one. What a, that one was a lot of fun. What a goofy story. What a, just an unmitigated it's goofier disaster. goofier and goofier. Yeah. It's just like every step of the way, you're just like, what? How? Why? Why? What are they doing? They're like, yeah, water is bad for you, so... <laughs> Here's some bourbon halfway through. Go run a marathon in yeah. August in Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. Over here, we got Dr. Pepper. Over here, we got a man dying of thirst. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, give him drugs and egg whites. Yeah. <laughs> this was part of the um, World's Fair that year, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Or was yeah that or they were they were going on whole, at the same time, but yeah. Yeah. In the same yeah. vicinity. That whole yeah. World's Fair situation also was just a disaster. That it's year, fascinating. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, yeah. Was that the one where they um, burned down the? There's like a 
was it a bullfight or something? And I have to look it up again. And oh, there was know. a riot oh. outside or they, oh yeah, the St. Mm. Louis bullfight riot. <laughs> I just know yeah. about that. <laughs> that happened in 1904. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. I almost wish that like that bullfight had broken out and then the bulls were chasing the marathon runners because that's a funny image of just. It would totally fit with everything else that happened during that marathon. I, I wouldn't be surprised. You could lie and tell me that did happen. I'd be like, yeah. Makes sense. Tracks. Yeah, yeah tracks. <laughs> Thousands of people rioted in St. Louis, Missouri, just north of the 1904 World's Fair after a bullfight was canceled by court order. It <laughs> resulted in a handful of injuries and complete destruction by fire of the Norris Amusement Company Arena. Wow. One bullfighter murdered another complete shortly after the riot. Amazing. Yeah. This sounds like an article waiting to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then another podcast. And then episode. another podcast, yeah. yeah. Yes. That's hilarious. 1904 Missouri was just a, an unhinged place to be. Yeah. Wild West. Um, okay, well, I'll go with my three favorites then. My first one is the first one I, I think I ever wrote for ATI back when I was a freelancer, which was about the Christmas truce of 1914. So I was sentimental about that one. It's just when everyone kind of stopped fighting for a second to have Christmas in World War One. I. I really enjoyed doing the Bass Reeves podcast because I got to talk to a historian who wrote a book about him. And Bass Reeves oh, yeah. is black lawman um, who this historian thinks is like an inspiration for the Lone Rangers. So that was kind of cool to get his perspective. And then I really liked the Floyd Collins. I think that was the first one we did possibly that was you and then me and then you and then me and then a discussion. I think that was the first one we did in that style. Yeah. And I really liked how that went. And it's a weird story. Another cave explorer who gets trapped and dies horribly but a lot of interesting stuff surrounding his death and the media spectacle and everything yeah the fact and that they that set TikTok. up like food stands outside yeah his hamburgers and everything and souvenirs and i think that tiktok is my favorite tiktok <laughs> for some reason yeah. i was like it's simple I think it's, it's cool. like it's like three photographs maybe yeah yeah it's that one in mod wagner my two like two of my top ones yeah and both of those yeah. people really liked as well So it's been a it's been a fun uh, hundred episodes. Here's to a hundred more. <laughs> yeah, covered everything from exploding whales to the Titanic to people dying in caves. Yeah, and we've got more stuff to come. Our next big thing is going to be the Jack the Ripper series, which is going to be coming up next. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be cool and gruesome and interesting as always. Kind of our thing. Bermuda Triangle that's coming up later this year and then we have some cool standalone episodes we're going to do one on mary magdalene which i think will be really cool and the osage indian murders which is what killers of the flower moon is that what the title is yeah is uh, based upon so which i think that just came out now on apple tv plus Mm -hmm. so you don't have to go to the theater anymore so maybe i'll finally watch it oh cool it's supposed to be really good i've heard so yeah, some exciting stuff coming and we're we're having fun. I think people are enjoying the podcast, except for some naysayers except that pop every now and then. But <laughs> Yeah, well, you can't please everybody. Yeah. You can't please everyone. Win some, you lose some. So yeah, I guess we could say just like, you know, thank you to everyone for listening and we really appreciate that. And we're going to be coming out with some more stuff very soon. Yeah. And as always, uh, you can find any of these stories um, in written form on allitsinteresting.com. You can also become a member at allitsinteresting.com slash membership. Mm-hmm. And you can sign up for our newsletter at allitsinteresting.com slash sign up. Yes, perfect. Yeah, because you sign up for the newsletter. So you go to slash sign up. <laughs> yes, and become a member. 
through the membership. Yeah, makes sense to me. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, you can also, if you want to reach out to us to say hello, to ask a question, to suggest a story, whatever, you can call us, leave a voicemail, 929-526-3029, or send us an email at podcast at allitsinteresting.com. Yeah, and if you're in the New York area and you have any stray kittens or dogs that you're looking <laughs> to get rid of, Kalina's looking for a pet. So I wouldn't mind a pet. It'd be nice. Are you allowed to have one in your apartment? Mm-hmm. Well, there we go. So we go. Uh, yeah, hit her up. Send in all history related inquiries to podcast at all that's all that's or send any um, pet advertisements in the New York area. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sounds and good. Thank you all for sticking with us for 100 episodes. And we hope to see you around for 100 more. Oh.